podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. February 13, 2020, and you are listening to the Safer Trader Podcast. Okay, let's discuss. Um, we are heading into the earnings week, and we got a good earnings pop from Latex Semiconductor. That's great. Uh, tonight is going to be the earnings report of Roku and NVIDIA. Congratulations as well to those who had Shopify. It broke the 500 mark and closed $530. That was a great move. We spotted and discovered um, in this podcast, Inner Circle, we discussed Shopify around $300 already. We saw the buy around $330 to $350 for those who were uh, catching uh, the move. Um, Honestly speaking, it's really a good surprise, but we'll discuss the earnings of Shopify later on. First, we discussed Roku, sorry. Roku is going to report tonight, and uh, we are heading into the earnings report with a long. Uh, but take note that uh, these positions, such as Roku, can gap up or gap down for us, meaning tonight it can go as high as 157 or as low as 117. However, we don't really care what the earnings quarter will um, good will be because these are things that we know from a secular standpoint. Number one. This means 28.6 million subscribers have more often benefited Roku because uh, Roku gets a cut on all of these Disney subscriber subscriptions. So Disney Plus will also have its India debut in March, and Hulu is planning to go international. These will benefit Roku, again, because of the -the over-the-top advertising and also For instance, if you uh, subscribe to Disney Plus on the Roku, Roku gets a cut for the subscription fee. Disney and Roku are friends. In fact, uh, there's also an expansion to Brazil just this year for Roku, and Disney is also expanding to Europe only this March. So there's helpful growth wins from the two. The market opportunity of Roku is big. Like it can really go 150 this earnings, and it's not high. Because Roku does about 15% in a day, sometimes on news disclosures or quarterly reports on subscribers and so forth. However, what's your downside? I believe your downside is limited to 100, even if, even if let's say, they miss this earnings report. The secular trend is too large to ignore because comfort and convenience are at your fingertips with Roku. Now, um, we believe that there will be volatility. That's why we always protect ourselves by being position weight about 3 to 5% of the entire portfolio, such that let's assume you put 5% of your entire portfolio in Roku, and you, uh, let's say we make a loss. Let's say it loses 20% tomorrow and uh, tonight, gap down. That's fine. Don't worry. Um, number one, we look at the averages. Uh, we look at the mega 
megatrends, so secular megatrends. And because connected TV is very strong, those drops would be temporary and uh, it should be actually seen more carefully. Uh, we would read on the earnings why it missed and maybe sometimes the market could just overreact about valuation. So it's not really um, always a problem. For instance, like Mercado Libre, some analysts felt that it was a myth. Mercado Libre fell to 600, but some analysts actually liked the numbers. I mean, for a company still growing 50 plus percent on the revenue top line and almost all across the board, the metrics were going more than 50% digits. Um, eventually, Mercado Libre actually closed last night at 700. So that's a $100 move or a 15% swing. That's a really, uh, that's a strength. Like if if ever Roku does disappoint on the downside, uh, let's assume that they have a bad earnings quarter or whatever, it's not really going to make the thesis fail <clears throat> because um, there is nothing to worry about. Uh, I will also discuss and repeat all the reasons why, <clears throat> uh, why we continue to believe in Roku. But, in, um, but let me explain first a few things. Uh, Roku is not yet profitable. It might be 2020 that will lead to profitability. Uh, however, yes, there's risks. Um, the thing about Roku is that most people who, um, who have been a subscriber have never really left. So they're there for life. Also, um, remember this acquisition. Roku has their own style of the trade desk, which is programmatic advertising. Last October 22, 2019, Roku has agreed to buy DataSue. It's a demand-side advertising platform for $150 million in cash and stock. This acquisition will give Roku new tools to let advertisers plan and buy using programmatic technology ad campaigns to reach Roku's streaming and over-the-top viewers. So, actually, um, Roku provides the simplest way to stream entertainment to your TV on your terms with thousands of available channels to choose from. From Roku is platform agnostic. Remember this, Roku's streaming platform supports the growing list of all the Netflix rivals, including Walt Disney Company. Streaming, streaming, streaming platforms pay Roku a royalty for each subscriber that Roku adds to their service. In addition, streaming platforms spend marketing dollars on Roku to raise awareness, which means the case that it may be impossible to launch a new OTT service without access to Roku's percentage of connected TV home. If you want to read more about Roku, we have this article in Medium. It's for free, Great Businesses, Not Great Valuations. So, we underline here that we like the business of the of Roku, and we actually see that it's a secular trend uh, forever business. So we would view any dips to actually be a buyer, um, and uh, that's literally our call for Roku's earnings report tonight. Also, uh, I want to share to you this great idea of the spaghetti sauce. The spaghetti sauce is actually um, a, a story by Malcolm Gladwell. He talked about Dr. Moskowitz. Um, he was the guy who actually helped the brand um, Prego. Prego is a tomato sauce brand. Uh, and it was at that time getting killed by Ragu. 
And so um, they were trying to fix and see what they could do. And I want to read to you this exact um, summary of um, how to view it. So here's the answer, the solution. He was not seeking the best sauce. He was seeking the perfect mix of sauces. The distinction is subtle but also game-changing. This was a central tenet of what Dr. Moskowitz was selling something we call horizontal segmentation today. It's not about a single option, but a range of options that satisfy the different segments within the market. After all, there is no one-size-fits-all for most things in life, let alone tomato sauces. Actually, I just want you to change the word tomato sauce to sauce. And what, that, what, what I mean with that is you are not looking for just the next Amazon. You're looking for a set of names that are game-changing, wonderful companies that hit the market in different segments, different sectors, and come out with a wonderful portfolio. There is a distinction. Why do I want or stress the need for portfolio diversification, portfolio construction, portfolio design, not about a single stock pick? Because the number of names that you would have will prevent analysis paralysis. If, for instance, you have to think, is Livongo Health really good? Is diabetes management really a strong, total addressable market? Then you would not have clicked at 24 to 25. And now it's 26, and tomorrow it's 27, and the next day it's 28. But if we chop our buying decisions to inconsequential weight, we become empowered. The impact of a mistake is not big. This is the power of small sizes, the power of small the power of adding on to your winners once the market proves to you that you are correct. And we, this does not mean that we do not make informed choices. We do. But we have to not think too much that we get frozen and cannot act. Why do I not want you to have this dilemma? Example, should you get CRIS, CRSP, CRISPR therapeutic? What if it rises and goes away without me? The answer to that solution is make a tiny decision because there are no perfect decisions. There's no perfect sauce. There's no perfect spaghetti sauce. You need to simply allow. However, as I also said, 2020 is a year where we just don't diversify and have so many, but we also learn to concentrate only on proven winners because too many choices are also detrimental for others. Because as time goes by, you would learn 50 companies from me and you wouldn't know what to do. Should you own 45 names? Or how about the 20 names only? You can vary your portfolio like a spaghetti sauce does. First, you choose the names you wish to keep, and this is easy since winners are kept. Then, you wish to unload those who are losers, and that should be easy since they should be sold. Rank it, and that's how you keep your best and trim the worst. This sweet spot is really about 30 names because people who've been making these spaghetti sauces know 30 ingredients is good enough. However, really, there is no certain, um, there is no specific rule. You could have 30 names, you could have 20 names, you could have 12 names, 15 names. It's really up to you. Also, the best businesses will prove themselves to you in time. Not just in the price, but also in the performance of results and the management. So I'd also like to comment the inability for some people to explain what they want. Example, sometimes I think people buy square because idol lang nila si Jack Dorsey, which is wrong. 
first and foremost, that's not how you buy a company, but I understand that a bit. Greatness is in the management, and many talented executives will join the firm if they like the mission and the vision of the company, just as Apple would continually get talented engineers, uh, product people, everyone, to help him and, um, of course, generate stock options and be obsessed as their CEO's new job. Um, just to give you something to say, uh, 85% of Mr. Jack Dorsey's wealth is in Square. Square is in our buy list. Um, Twitter is not in our buy list, actually. Um, I think that uh, there are just other great social media plays for us. Um, we actually prefer buying Pinterest, Bilibili, uh, IGE, Kuya. So, if you're a social media play, I would go with other names. But uh, for the payment play, I do like Square, Stone Cold, PayPal. Uh, they belong in our buy list. And of course, I don't have any star records on Visa and MasterCard. If you have both of them, and good for you. In fact, it's a really, really good company. So um, I also want to warn the idolatry of innovators. So I warn the majority of the public who, you know, they like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. So the, their spaghetti sauce portfolio only owns Amazon and Tesla. Now, of course, they are very heavily rewarded with these two names. But I just want you to explain to me um, why you have those names. It's important for you to know that, um, that said, you know, I have nothing wrong against both of them. Um, we still have um, a buy reco on Amazon and Tesla. I know they're delirious, deliriously high, but um, we would never put the sell recommendation after those earnings quarters. Um, they deserve to be there. So those, uh, but <clears throat> I mean, if you're entering Apple at 2170, then not saying that you have uh, been too late, but you are. There would be many um, opportunities for you to wait, and um, it's not the only stock in the world. Apple's greatest achievement, and I believe, is turning loyal customers into something more as a tribe. Because of that, everyone really did that. Everyone copied Apple's strategy. Tribes have been made cults, you may call. Perhaps you could even say that the Tierra political campaign was a cult, a tribe. It makes the best stock impossibly resilient. You can't go against the tribe leader. Uh, an army of millions of stockholders and buyers will defend their stock. And you can see that even if you look at any Tesla feed today from before to the present. So Apple really changed the world in so many ways. Um, it also turned customers into loyal followers. So you find the next Apple by finding companies that are turning customers into something like zombies in love with anything. Note the customer reaction to Cybertruck. People said amazing. Other critics were saying it's a kid growing, all the harshest things. But the point is, if you can make your customers into loyal followers and buyers, that is wonderful. So far, though, I think Roku, Zoom, Luckin' Coffee, Beyond Meat, have turned some of their customers into really devoted followers. I'll also say that while progeny is not rapid, the other large fan base you should also be checking are the full set of gamers, esports, making it a phenomenon, domineering in all the influential, uh, it, it really hits all the social media influencers' posts, 
Uh, it's a really domineering trend with extraordinary potential. And also say that um, Shake Shack is loved by millennials so much that, you know, someone had to create codes inside Black just to order Shake Shack burgers. So we don't, when you do not have to tell someone to follow, when they just do this themselves, you know that you've already solved a huge part of the repetition business. You've made an incredible following. Of course, we saw that in Starbucks. Um, Starbucks also reported a great quarter. We'll discuss this maybe in a while. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to discuss great companies. That's what we do here. We talk about um, companies that make people uh, buy insurmountable amount of things maybe they want or they don't need, but they still want. So games actually make people a little bit like zombies. So do payment firms because nobody in China can survive without WeChat or Alipay. It's just impossible for any seller to fight the Tencent madness to greatness. Of course, um, Tencent uh, charges could sell 413. Uh, it actually uh, hit near the previous high again, um, previous monthly high of 413. But that's just one part. That's just explaining why um, secular trends will actually last a long time and break resistances without um, without these um, coronavirus infections. And the reason is because there are a thousand of great things and reasons to buy the name. Digital payments is a mainstream thing. Millions of consumers or millions of merchants Shopping, food delivery, everything underscores the resiliency of payments business. So um, in the payment space, we discussed that we like Stone Co. So let us just discuss that name as well. But before that, um, a few things about the Lattice earnings. Lattice Semiconductor, a pick of ours, came out with quarterly earnings report of $0.17 cents per share, beating estimates of $0.15 cents per share. Take note that this is more than 100% of last year's earnings. So congrats to Jim Anderson and team CEO. Um, we highlight a few things in the earnings report. Let me read the latest semiconductor report, LSEC fourth quarter and full year 2019 results. Gross margin expanded to 59.2% for 4Q19 on a gap basis and 59.6% on a non-gap basis. This is higher from 56.6% and 56.7% for the last four quarter 2018. Operating margin increased to 15.5% of revenue for 4Q19. This is greater than the, the um, and 24% on the non-gap basis uh, from only 17% last year. Uh, net income has improved to 10 cents and 17 cents per diluted share. This is a uh, 100% growth of last year's 8 cents respectively. So um, let me read the first paragraph. The first paragraph says about um, um, from Jim Anderson, the president says himself, we made a solid progress in 2019. We drove a 210 basis point improvement in gross margin on a non-gap basis an 88% increase in non-GAAP, and um, we are seeing the full benefits of our business and product strategy, which is aligned with our customers, and 100% focus on power-efficient FPGAs. Take note that FPGAs are the ones that you could program and being used in a lot of self-driving cars, AI, IoT, and so forth. 
we remain focused on driving further improvements as we increase our cadence of new hardware products, solutions, software stacks, including the launch of Nexus, our next generation FPGA platform. The launch was ahead of schedule and served as a testament to the execution of our product roadmap. Sherry Luther, CFO, said, we achieved significant improvements across our key financial metrics in 2019. For the full year 2019, GAAP diluted ETS increased 252% compared to our full year 2018, improving 300% in Q4 2019 as compared to Q4 2018. We increased cash flow from operations by 141% for the full year 2019, continuing our focus on cash generation. Our improved financial performance allowed us to significantly reduce our leverage ratio to 1.3 as defined in our credit agreement, compared to a leverage ratio of 3 a year ago fourth quarter. We remain focused on profitability and cash generation as we drive additional progress towards our target model. I guess um, if you are a shareholder of uh, LATIS, all metrics are up, gross margin, operating margin, and income, all that's left really is to hold our winners and see where it goes. Uh, LATIS closed last night about 6%, 21.2 or 21.25, something like that. We continue to hold. <clears throat> Those who have bought $19 below, as we said in the down, congratulations. Hold on to it, relax. Um, I, I, I know too that um, you have to reflect if you have been looking for the perfect sauce. Number one, there is no perfect sauce. There are perfect sauces. So remember that. Okay, let's now go to Stone Co. Stone Co. SDME is our payment play. Um, we have been uh, saying by recommendation on Stone Coast since last year at about 26 and 30 and 32 and 34 and even at 38. Now, if Stone Coast gives an entry 38 to 40 bucks, all, all prices 40 below, we believe that you should take a look and have a small position in Stone Coast. So let's read what Stone Coast does in a glance. Stone Coast is a, has a mission to transform the way small business merchants use software and financial services to grow their business and improve productivity and sell more. We do this by offering what we believe is a world-class suite of products, best customer service the merchants have ever seen in Brazil. Custonco is the first non-bank merchant acquiring payments institution in Brazil. They have $115 billion of total um, payment volume um, in the Brazilian real. They have integrated solutions in acquiring banking, credit, and software. They have been growing 62% year-on-year on their revenues. Their adjusted net income is 738 million real, Brazilian real, um, and they have currently 429,000 active clients. The basic thesis for Stoneco, if you aren't aware, is that it is the square of um, square of Brazil, or maybe WeChat of Brazil. You can kind of think of it that way. Um, they have started in payments, but there is still a large, huge headroom to grow. Brazil is the fourth largest payment market in the world, with a 6.8 trillion real GDP, 4.3 trillion real household consumption, 170 million consumers, and 8.8 million merchants. The Brazilians are just getting hot when it comes to um, digital payment, electronic payment penetration. 
uh, Brazilian electronic penetration um, so far is around in 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 stone coast four Q sixteen till about four Q nineteen. They believe that they have been able to penetrate about from thirty two percent to about forty three and a half percent of the total household consumption when it comes to Brazilian electronic payment penetration or a 15% take or, or sorry, 11% um, percentage market um, increase for penetration for those last four years. They're also saying that the Brazilian acquisition industry, uh, the total payment volume has grown from 1.2 trillion last 2016 to about uh, 1.84 trillion or a 15% cheaper in the last four years. Um, what else can we say? Okay, more recently, um, <clears throat> Brazil, Stone Co. has been um, increasing their addressable market. Um, Stone Co. has added 500% um, for their merchant acquiring, and they have new solutions increasing their, uh, their addressable market. So these are credit credit line, it's additional 75 billion reals, merchant acquiring 20 billion dollar reals, software 9.5 billion reals, banking is 10 billion reals, or a total of 114 billion Brazilian reals, uh, increasing their uh, addressable market by 500%. So um, <clears throat> Stone Co. has solution scalable platform for digital and integrate, integrated partners. It is a payment service provider. It is an online gateway. It's an integrated partner for all um, marketplaces. So they have checkout, split payment, social commerce, analytics, automated re um, retrial, recurrent billing, multi-method payment, one-click buy. They are. Uh, they have reconciliation API, omni-channel acquisition, SDK, smart POS system. So um, all of these are done by Stone Cold. So um, 38 below is the real buying zone, but I, it's going to be hard to get it at 38. So the lending facilities are also growing 380%. Uh, last night we kind of bought some at 40 dollars for some of our client advisory portfolios. Um, with a small position trying to get in as low as we can, say 40 to about 38 or 34, something like that. So <clears throat> we are, we generally um, like Stone Co. also because um, additional reason and confidence is that not only has it been generating really great earnings reports, great uh, total addressable market potential, in its IPO last year of $24, we are we highlight that one of the partners was Berkshire Hathaway, the most famous, arguably the most successful world invest, uh, investor, uh, Warren Buffett. So it helps bring us confidence that we are investing in a company that also has Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway standards. Actually, it wasn't a pick of Warren Buffett. It was one of his lieutenants. Um, his lieutenant's name was Todd Combs, something like that. So officially, there is a huge opportunity in providing credit, of course, to small business owners. Credit and prepayment market in Brazil um, from 1% share in providing funding to SMBs of 0.8 billion uh, reals 
the estimated total uh, addressable market is $80 billion or 100 times more. So there's huge room for growth. Stoneco has just started to address this opportunity. The number of clients using the credit solution business has grown by 390% in the last three months from July to October 2019, from 3,400 so 3, clients to 13,400. They were also able to disperse since inception 380% higher value from 50 plus to 185 plus million reals from July to October. Uh, it should be noted as well that Stoneco is also a digital open banking platform providing a suite of digital banking solutions designed to enable clients to conduct financial transactions and integrate their financial data. So obviously, Stoneco is the bank of the future. This is our financial play. Uh, Stoneco redefines how small business owners in Brazil, Brazil deal with their financial life. In-house build technology with direct integration to the central bank. Public API allowing integration with DRPs, wallets, and other partners. With increasing number of open accounts, um, from 10,000 to 30,000 from July to October, we see that um, many, many uh, Brazilians are using Stone Code. This is really gaining ground, uh, increasing engagement, where transfers per account has grown from 1x to 1.5x, or from 2 trillion to 3 trillion. These are wire transfers per account. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Boleto state per account is from 1 to 2.3. So um, this was indexed to 1x. So it, it just shows to you that there is no problem buying Stone Co. 38 to 40. Um, any earnings report that allows you to get in on this great business is a wonderful support. Um, Brazil has millions of autonomous workers, merchants, most of whom are unbanked, not exposed to credit card-based transactions. Um, and so we really believe in it. So another pick that I want to just discuss is um, here in Southeast Asia where we live, um, we are seeing branchless banks in the region, and they are partnering with e-commerce company. And it's really one of the quickest ways to gain scale. As e-commerce sales in the last six largest economies, uh, in the six largest economies in Southeast Asia, are estimated to grow from $79 billion to $79 billion in 2022 from $41 billion in 2019. This is according to 451 Research, which is part of S&P Global Market Intelligence. In this Southeast Asian pick, we like C-Limited. C-Limited is also in our pick. C-Limited is Shopee, Alibaba Group's Lazada, Southeast Asian um, domination of e-commerce industry. So we estimate that Shopee alone accounted for already 25% of the aggregate gross merchandise value in Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, and Vietnam in 2019. Shopee and Lazada are engaging shoppers and merchants through digital payments and lending to shore up activity on their marketplaces across these countries. So this is just a shout out to our inner circle picks, Shopee and Alibaba. Um, we're not asking you to chase them, but um, you will have to wait for proper entry. However, these were picked since um, last year for us, so it's more or less just a hold. Um, we also believe that the top contenders for a digital full bank license to make a head-on-head -head collision with the current bank are, um, of course, Gravis there. They really hit the pie, especially for uh, Filipino, Southeast Asian. Shopee is truly dominating because it's not just treated as an e-commerce play. 
but also seen by some investors as a pseudo-payment play for Southeast Asia, as a fact that see limited distribution rights to all the hottest games, for instance. So, um, League of Legends, Dota 2, and so forth. So, um, Shopee or Sea limited is up about 400% and not stopping because fundamentals are carrying it. Uh, Shopee is truly, um, Sea limited is really one of the best winners that you could have uh, bought and held, but it still remains a good hold. Um, we'd like to buy as much as possible at 41, below 42. Uh, those who have Shopee already, um, you, you have a winner, so you just need to really keep it and keep it tight. So it will really take a true bad quarter for us to get entry to Shopee. Those with Shopee, SEC Limited, keep it. Those without, I do hope we get an entry. So C's e-commerce business gives it an edge. It's successful. Both C and Grab-led consortium could have their banking licenses to serve the current ecosystem. So C's e-commerce business, however, is probably a bigger chance because um, you're buying more and the, the generally online shopping transaction value is bigger than ride fares. So Shopee has partners such as Bank of China to lend money to you if you can't pay for that appliance that you bought immediately. So they make money lending to you. Essentially, it's a bank, it's a digital bank. So Iba, um, there's a secular shift and you cannot ignore this. Uh, Lazada, which is owned by Alibaba, has applied for its own digital bank license in Singapore. And it can lean on unfinancial services group to support its merchants of the if the Alibaba affiliate is successful. Sorry, with its application for a wholesale license to collect deposits from and make loans to small businesses. So um actually and as financial I really like this company. Um of course it's a listion. We definitely have a buy record, although yes, it's not yet listed, it's under the Alibaba. Uh, it's under Alibaba. So well of course, um <clears throat> We want, um, in fact, if you want to know the IPOs that I am looking at, I am really interested in unfinancial stripe payment by UPMLP. So far, yun lang sa mga nasa reader ko. I wish that they would get listed so that we can have a hold and we, uh, we could buy and hold these things. So, um, yun. Um, <clears throat> so, as I said, Stone Co, nasa kanya na lahat ng gusto mo in a business, uh, market growth, market potential, execution, profit, and it is founder-led. Minsan ka lang makakita niyan. So, if um, tapos ka tropa mo pa si Warren Buffett sa likod ng backers. So, kung hindi ka mag-succeed sa mga ganyang kasing companies, medyo feel ko, oras lang talaga katapat dyan. Cost origin is your friend pag bumibili ka ng ganyang companies. Pag walang problema ang funda, minsan, um, <clears throat> dapat, ano lang, cost average. Um, it's all about three to five percent weight. Remember that um, you can add on to your winners as this um, progresses on and on. In fact, for Stone Co, uh, we had a buy at 26, we had a buy at 30, 33, and now 38. So you'd be topping up. If you started with a three percent position, you could increase it to about 12 percent already. Because four times kunyantinabili. So really, uh, your average would be 26 plus 30, 30 plus 33 plus 38. So four times kunyantinabili. So yeah, it's really a good uh, a good name, Stone Co. Um, let me also reiterate that um, video games have been really great. Um, video game billionaires include C Limited's co-founder Gang Ye. The other video game billionaires are Tim Sweeney, Epic Games founder who brought Fortnite to the masses. Uh, he sold his stake to Tencent. CD Projekt, which is also our pick, um, also made the founders billionaires. 
Martin Winsky and Mikhail Kisinski. Their stock is actually uh, about 100 times moved in the last seven years. CD Projekt is expanding its online game distribution business, increasing free-to-play titles ahead of promising new releases that will drive EPS growth in 2020 and beyond. This is Poland's largest video game maker, investing in new, uh, investing in Cyberpunk 2077, exceeding the lofty heights achieved with Witcher 3. CD Projekt has been um, a pick I did, um, but it's really in Polish lobby. So um, you'd have to convert your money from dollars to Poland, Polish lobby. So yeah, and, um, it's really been straight to all-time highs. It just shows to you that from 3.2 to 310, nine years, 100 times your money, this is CD Projekt. Um, these are facts that I want you to know when I tell people, yeah, MasterCard with 80 times your money, have you held on to it um, since 2005, I believe. So, you know, these are not really fairy tale stories. If I tell you that you could make um, 10 times your money if Stone Co. one day, 2025 or 2026, um, if you bought a 26, one day it goes $250, hindi siya malago kasi we have funda na katumbas nun. So, for instance, um, Shopee went 400% up one year from 10 to about 46 now, 12 to 46. Um, it, it doesn't happen without Filipinos, Thai, Indonesian, Malaysian, Singaporeans, all purchasing from Shopee. Hindi pwedeng 300% up sales without um, people purchasing it. So, again, um, it's something that you should consider, shopping list. Um, we have a buy on Stone Cold, 40 below. We have a buy on C Limited, $42 below. Um, for eSports, we continue to live. We, uh, we still have it. Um, I'm still long. Um, 20 below, I've been buying. And um, so far, it's 21. We're waiting for the earnings results of eSports um, gaming giant, Young live stream. And um, we'll keep them. Um, just to share as well, Alibaba is going to report earnings today. Uh, Alibaba is in the same league with Tencent. It's a secular forever stock name. Um, but just to rehash, you know, um, for those who don't have it, um, it's currently 224 now. So um, um, it's currently $224. And um, the reason to keep it, actually at these levels, um, we don't have a buy. We have a buy at 160 And if you really like to buy Alibaba, I'd say I'd suggest you have to wait at 100 times 5 to $200 for an entry. Uh, but those who have Alibaba should hold on to it. Maybe you get an earnings surprise tonight. Uh, reason to keep, okay, Alibaba continues to grow at scale, enjoying the ability to reinvest its free cash flows into multi-widening initiatives. Management's capital allocation strategy has been continuing to improve and bring impoverished people into the economy, offering, offering them the opportunity to conduct commerce through Alibaba's platform. As you can see, um, Tencent and Alibaba has learned to deploy their cash flows and um, by default becoming the biggest uh, venture capitalist in China. Uh, Tencent has around, if, if my memory is correct, it owns about 700 startups. 160 of them became uh, unicorns, meaning a billion dollar valuation and more. And um, 100 more. Basically, they are the incubators of the, of the giants that we now know today. In fact, Tencent is the primary uh, shareholder of Tintua Tintua which is a pick of art in e-commerce as well. Um, okay, so um, the size of the platforms of Alibaba, it has over 800 million mobile active users, 
nearly 700 million active users in their retail marketplaces, allowing the business to successfully move into payments through Alipay, which is really um, commonplace in China. Cloud computing, where the company has captured the majority of the market with AliCloud, smart logistics through Kaimiao to further penetrate toward your cities, and many other initiatives that should strengthen the ecosystem. So Alibaba is actually your Amazon and Microsoft in China all in one. So if you find yourself trying to think the market is topish, I would say that you are right. However, it doesn't mean that you should sell. It depends on what you own because Alibaba is not something you sell. Um, there are many reasons why Alibaba should be kept. And on any corrections, near 200 should be bought. Um, during the most recent quarter, for instance, Alibaba grew its revenues 40%, even after growing so much in the last 20 years. It continues to add annual active users and mobile monthly active users on its retail marketplace. I mean, I have to ask you, can you imagine SM investments growing 40%? No. Um, just to give you a, an example, Microsoft Azure grew revenues over 60% and gross margins significantly increased this past quarter. All I'm saying is that Microsoft and Alibaba still will have their best days ahead. So um, this doesn't mean it's a buy at any price, but it doesn't also mean it's a sell. So if you're waiting for an entry, sure. But high-quality high growth investing means, number one, you need to, you know, as much as possible, not try to time too much. You have to just do a weight allocation. Uh, let the market do whatever. So look at 20 great companies, high-quality growth companies, and, um, if you did that, your special sauce, your your spaghetti will taste well. Um, my best hope for those who have Alibaba fans is that, you know, at some point, if, if it actually fails this earnings result tonight, you actually grab shares. But, um, yeah, so the thing, though, is that most of these companies do not fail their quarters. Um, the edge is that it will actually be another bullish quarter, another great move. So it will be a rarity for Alibaba to miss. If you really ask my thoughts on the earnings, um, honestly, whatever earnings it results, it, it gives, it doesn't quite matter. It's a long. Alibaba is a growth company. Uh, most people think it is a monopoly, and um, it's a really monster growth company. I'd also say that you'd have to like uh, some of my picks in China, uh, my Pintuatua e-commerce pick. Um, I'd say that uh, they're all monsters in the realm. Um, and to me, uh, Alibaba, JD, Pintuatua, all of them are really growing fast. I'll also want to discuss, um, you know, this day I really want to discuss a lot of things. Yum China, uh, which is a contrarian pick of ours, we'd love to buy it if it falls 40 bucks. Um, so Yum C will probably underappreciate it because of the coronavirus season. But for the long-term piece, let me discuss our basic Yum China thesis. Yum China is the largest restaurant group in China, operating almost 9,000 restaurants, of which only 9% are franchised, including over 6,000 KFCs, over 2,000 Pizza Hut. Yum C has been fully spun off from Yum Brands in November 2016 and pays a 3% royalty fee on system revenues to its former U.S. parent in return enjoying exclusive rights to use those brand names in China. Yum C is actually a double-time rate inner circle pick. We sold 47, we have a sell on 45 above, but we also want to buy this for $40 below. Reasons why. KFC is a key value driver for Yum China, representing approximately 70% of the unit and approximately 90% of profits, given KFC's highly attractive unit economics, 90% of new units. 
Now, um, if you remember, I showed all the KFC chicken congee, KFC Hainanese chicken, KFC pochow sticks. KFC is China. KFC in China has a far broader menu, catering to local taste, um, localizing taste profiles. They have congee in the day. They serve regional palates, such as spicier recipes for the Sichuan province. It's really a stable, simple, cash-generative business providing nice dividends, 12 cents quarterly or 48 cents in a year. So at $40, it's about 48 cents, 1.2% a year. Ah, sorry, 2.4%. No, 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 1. 40, 40, 1.2%, yeah, 1.2%, so a year after year. So the, the coronavirus is actually an entry into love fried chicken, and honestly, you know, billions of Chinese agree with you. It's this most simple business thesis, uh, and I said even a five-year-old kid can make. So um, we have veteran picks, yeah. For long term, Alibaba is a great buy, 200 below. Young China is a great buy, 40 below. So, I mean, good dental cancel, just post it. One day, maybe it, uh, it gets done. If you want to know more about why I like Yum China, I have this old post. Um, I wrote about it. Um, the, the title is Flexitarian Incognito, KFC's Finger Licking Liga and Huang Chi Huang. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of things there. Um, you'd read it. Uh, it's in my Medium article, medium.com slash at Nikki Yu. It's N-I-K-K-I-Y-U. Um, there are so many companies, and I think that um, I've already discussed, wow, this is already 45 minutes. I hope you learned something, and um, great podcasting with you. See you again tomorrow. Thank you.